So uh, this talk is uh, entitled, What is the Middle Way? Um, <clears throat> so, in a way, that's the talk, so <laughs> I will go on a little there. <laughs> um, it's a question that um, began to really form in response to one particular um, quotation from the Buddha. And that's really been with me as I've been reflecting on this. Somebody asks the Buddha, How, Lord, did you cross the flood? He replies, Without tarrying, friend, and without struggling. When tarrying, friend, I sank. And when struggling, I was swept away. So, friend, it is by not tarrying and by not struggling that I have crossed the flood. So, I'm going to come back to that. It's this... this really evoked in me a sense of, well, what is it to not tarry and to not struggle? And the Buddha talk, talks about the middle way. He talks about, about it as a path between two extremes, between the streams, extremes of self-indulgence on the one hand, and self-mortification on the other. And during this talk I'd like to explore explore those extremes a little and see how we recognise that in our experience and partly through our living in that, in those places often, uh, we, we can use those experiences as basis for knowledge, basis for insight, basis for liberation. So, um, in the first discourse, in the Buddha explains this is, the, this is the path, and then he goes on to, to, to say, what is this path? You know, and see, often he answers himself. <laughs> he explains that it is the, the eightfold path, actually. So the middle way is this path of cultivation that we've been uh, exploring on this retreat and all our practice. Trying to understand, to come to right, wise or right understanding what is real, what is true. To learn to exercise and understand wise intention to to know and embody those intentions which give rise to happiness for ourselves and others to practice wise speech action and livelihood for the benefit of ourselves and others and for the purification of the mind and to practice meditation to practice wise effort, mindfulness, 
and concentration. And that's the aspect I'd like to look uh, more at a little later in the talk. So we have these three areas of practice, and I think it's always for me so helpful whenever we're homing in and looking at any aspect, just to kind of have that sense of there. I know I'm going on the... <laughs> here it is again, focusing in and back, you know, wide, wide angle, foreground and background. It's been a, it seems to be becoming a bit of a theme for some of us. Um, and that the sila samadhi panya, the uh, morality... Uh, the meditation training and the the wisdom, the insight, these three um, these three aspects of practice are all working together for one purpose. The purpose of understanding and coming to the end of suffering. So I think always worth it. Could, Reminding ourselves again and again that's what uh, what these teachings are really for in a very uh, immediate way for us in our life, not in an abstract way, not in a way of some distant future, but in the here and now, in our actual life, and in the very conditions of our heart and mind, even when they're really annoying even when they're not as we would like them to be. Right there, right here. And the possibility of, uh, of liberating insights that can um, really enable a healing process and um, provide us with a very different perspective on, on life. So I'd like to talk a little bit about these extremes and, and as I was reflecting on this it, I'm going to share some of the thoughts that I, that I had and how much these are clues to where we're stuck and where we cling and so, so also clues as to where we can let go, where we can soften, you know, where we can open. Doorways to freedom, dukkha, doorway to freedom. Disease, you know, it's 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 like the very place of suffering is the place of liberation. If we can, if we can practice, uh, we can discover how to practice for that. So, this dualistic tendency of mind that the Buddha is sort of pointing to, you know, this path between self-indulgence on the one hand and self-denial, self-negation on the other, you know, and, and I was thinking, yeah, this is really familiar. <laughs> and so perhaps I, I, I offer some aspects of this and see if you, you recognize any, any of this in your own experience. Um, the um, area of uh, should, you know, on the, on the one side, the the whole should, shouldn't, must, mustn't, um, the, the, the kind of relationship to experience that's, that's just completely kind of encrusted with judgment about, you know, so you can't even hardly get near to what's actually happening because there's so much should around it. 
it's it's uh, you can't see and how much energy we can put into it shouldn't be happening you know this shouldn't have happened and how much we can get so caught up in that and then I, as I was thinking, I was thinking, you know, often we can actually sometimes find ourselves swinging to the other side. Like, if I had enough of shoulding and shouldn't, I'm just going to... Rebellious. Rebellious consuming, for example, or just some form of acting out, you know. So we kind of can see ourselves, you know, oh, I've... I confess, I do have this thing with chocolate, okay, and... You know, I do see this um, small example perhaps, but just realising how hard it's for me to find the middle way with that, of the wise relationship of, you know, I can, I can give it up for three months, you know, and then, oh, here I am eating loads and loads again, sort of swinging between these two extremes. And so as a, as a small example, you know, finding out, finding out uh, how, what's the, what is the middle way with that? Another example of um, repressing anger. Oh, I'm not angry. No, it's uh, or the irritation arises. Oh no, doesn't feel that. You know that whole. And then somehow or another, some point or another, we lash out at somebody. You know, boom. Somebody does something, and oh, and it's kind of um, again a kind of taking revenge. I don't know if that's familiar. In one way, sometimes quite subtly somebody has something you're a bit envious and somehow we find ourselves saying something that just very subtly puts that person down <coughs> it's very it can be it can be quite quite subtle swinging between the internal critic and that attack of others you know I mean, some of us have talked about this today you know that you know um, if we're not attacking ourselves we're attacking somebody else and that's that can be almost like, you know, we're being so hard on ourselves. We want some refuge, some you know, escape from that. So, boom, it goes out, hits some object out there. What's the middle way there? How do we how do we find a way of through mindfulness, through kindness, through all these all this pra- practice of of being able to find. Uh, a way of working with of holding anger rather than repressing or acting out. And another another whole set of ways that seem to me a kind of way, way that we inhabit these extremes is, is through holding different kinds of holding, holding back, holding it in, holding it down, um, holding holding it together, holding something up heroic thing um, holding someone away holding something away and then the other side holding on to grabbing at you know, kind of holding forth I've also <laughs> kind, of that, kind of suddenly finding yourself pontificating about something you really don't know anything about but it, somehow there's some sense of catharsis there so again, I could go, I, I just found that I just kept, I mean, this just went on and on, but um, passive-aggressive, and you know, it's a similar kind of um, part of that pattern. And last one I want to mention is um, 
the, the isolation and then dependence. So sometimes, you know, you have that sense of withdrawing. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm alone, I'm separate. And then suddenly you find yourself desperately clinging to somebody. You swung right across the other side. Where's the middle ground there, a place where we can really actually relate and find intimacy without falling into either of those extremes? It's not... It's not easy, and that's why I'm trying to say that to to see to see these sides and to swing to to see that with clarity and to with compassion can help us to see what we need to let go of. And I also had this image of a pendulum, you know, a pendulum in a clock that swings, and how if it's uh, if it's released from whatever's driving it, it naturally. It naturally can come to stillness. So maybe that's one image for us in our practice of how we can learn to stop feeding the swinging and what we're holding to so we can naturally come back into, into balance. Um, so... One might ask, well... What about this middle? What does that feel like? What is that? How, how can we know that? How can we practice that? So I'd like, before going into the how do we practice that part, I'd like to actually with you evoke some sense of this, this middle way, remembering that it's not a place or a state, but more like a responsive responsiveness, a sensitivity to life, an ability to, to respond and at the same time, maybe, as with the extremes, we can get clues. We can get clues about the middle way, about, oh, yeah, right, okay, yeah, that's, let's go this way, let's follow this. Yeah? And often I, I think that it can be more subtle and we miss it, or we're so hooked into the dramas and the stories and the, you know, I've got to do this and I've got to get rid of that, that we miss those moments and those times of stillness, easing, clarity, kindness. Insight, acceptance. So all of these might be clues and, and signs of that uh, of that middle way. Remembering, of course, that it's all linked with the eightfold path. So we can also use that as our as our guide, as I was saying. Um, and I wanted to share. Um, some quotes that I felt helped to point us in that direction in different ways. So as you listen again to resonate or to, 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 to listen and see kind of what what resonates, what you pick up on, what kind of oh yes, you know, what kind of makes sense um, with this regard. And also a couple of images that I'd like to, to share, because I think they can speak to us in different different ways. Um, another image that has actually been with me uh, through, through thinking about this talk is, is an image from contemporary fiction. So forgive me for going into that 
a world, but perhaps that's okay. So it's an image from uh, one of the Harry Potter books, um, which, if you don't know, are um, very wonderful stories. And there's one image where the three friends are on yet another adventure and they fall through... Um, I won't go into the whole situation, but the, the, they, they fall into a hole in this kind of magical tree and they find themselves caught up in the roots of this tree, which is a rather nasty tree, actually. It's a bit of an aggressive tree. It's a bit of a sort of... It kind of has this is called the whomping willow and it sort of it's it's not a very happy tree it's bit, so its roots similarly have kind of a quirkiness not not terribly happy rather aggressive and anyway so they fall into this root and they find they find themselves kind of caught up in kind of being strangled actually by these the roots of this tree and um they're like, oh my, what are we going to do, you know? And one of the characters who's, uh, well, seems to, reads everything and then remembers what she's read, which is kind of amazing, remembers, ah, oh, yes, what you have to do is relax. <laughs> oh, so she does this, relaxes her body and whoosh, kind of manages to slip through the roots to a space underneath. Her, her other friend, I think this is really interesting, the three friends, I think, exhibit kinds of behaviours we all can do at different times. So sometimes we get it, we remember, and we say, oh, yeah, right, and we do. Then the, the second friend sees the, her, his friend doing this and says, oh, okay, right, so he's oh, relax. And then he falls through. But the third friend just keeps struggling. Help, you know, you know, relax, you must be crazy, you know. No, and and is just stuck there and the thing is squeezing him. So in the end her um his friend kind of does something else to make the roots drop him. And I just thought for me the feeling of being caught up in roots, in conditions from our life, from our past, from the world, and how we struggle without tarrying friend without struggling and how sometimes it's it's the simplest but the hardest thing to relax relax the body relax the mind re- release the grip and yeah sometimes you know we need help because uh, we've no I can't and so I, I really, for that image for me, is very powerful, I hope. I hope you get that, even though if you don't know the, the whole story. Another image, I think, is, is really helpful in this regard, of the middle, the middle way of, of um, the, a, a, a glass of you know, cloudy apple juice that's kind of left to sit as we sit, and how the sediment can rest in the bottom and we have this clear clear apple juice and the effort that aspect of wise effort which is about like non-doing wise non-doing and so much it seems like of where we get caught up in these extremes is so much about I I've got to I've got to figure out and 
And so much about the middle way and practicing meditation, the Eightfold Path seems more about finding out what is needed. The I is not so necessary. What, what is needed? What helps? And that's so much what I think we're trying to explore in our, in our meditation practice. So I'd like to read now um, four, four different quotations from four very with different traditions which offer a different uh, aspect to this, this vision, this vision of the middle way. First of all, Krishnamurti, he says, there is great happiness in not... I'm sorry, my eyes, right? In not wanting, in not being something, in not going somewhere. And from Reb Anderson, not meddling in the world of suffering is freedom from the world of suffering. And from Trungpa Rinpoche, The everyday practice is simply to develop a complete acceptance and openness to all situations and people, experiencing everything totally without reservations or blockages so that one never withdraws or centralizes into oneself. And lastly, from Ajahn Chah, one word I'd like to clarify before I read it um, parami which is a word really meaning um, perfection and it, it really refers to those wholesome states and qualities of mind like patience and generosity all of those qualities and states that um, help us support us in, in the middle way so he says whenever you have feelings of love or hate for anything whatsoever. These will be your aides and partners in building Parami. So, how how do we practice in a way which helps us to find this this middle way um, we've already considered the Brahma Viharas and um, we've been practicing uh, mindfulness and kindness we've been beginning to investigate to 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 ask these these two sort of fundamental questions of what is happening and then what what would help so I particularly would like to just mention again a, a, few, a few things in um, the application of, of effort in meditation practice and the the way that we the way that we practice balancing um, balancing in our in our practice between different uh, different modes, not getting stuck in any particular 
mode, but finding as a wise responsiveness, a skillful, um, skillful means. And we've already talked a little bit about background and foreground and the skillfulness of that, of being able to hold in your attention something like body pain um, and being able sometimes to have that in the right in the center, in the foreground of our attention, to be with that uh, and have other things in the background. And sometimes it's wise to actually step away to uh, another more easeful part of the body so that we can uh, uh, steady the mind and, and feel more able to be present with and bring compassion. Um, and we can also explore with this a narrow focus and wide angle, you know, as I a little bit, you know, in, in work of and in, in daily life of, of being able to step back. A really simple example, but I think it's, I don't know, it, it seemed to me to, to be really quite, uh, yeah, for, for me, emblematic of, of what happens. I was on a retreat and I was cutting up an apple at breakfast in the dining room and and I was really focused on the apple, you know, and cutting the thing and all that. And I realized I was cutting the pieces of actual apple I cut into the compost bin and putting the peeling into my cereal. <laughs> and it was, fortunately, there was enough kindness and mindfulness. And I looked up and there was another yogi there and was like, Oh, you know, what can you do? You know, and it was a really nice moment of kind of connection with that person. And, you know, I thought it was so, yeah, there you are and you're right with it, but you've kind of lost the big picture, you know. <laughs> and I think, you know, how often does that happen? Um, quite a lot, I think. And actually, another little story in the dining room comes to mind. I love, I love this. It's in the middle of it, was a, and it wasn't me, it was another, a yogi who was here on a long retreat. Uh, quite a long retreat, and I came into the dining room. It was when I was a manager or coordinator now. And, and she was um, painstakingly stacking all the bowls in the uh, in piles of like bowl. And um, we just caught each other's eye, you know, and we just laughed. And it was just like she was, somehow or another, had just got it, and I had, I've got to sort these bowls out, you know, and, it was a really, it was a really nice moment. And I think, wonder if there's some similar thing going on there, you know. Like, oh, hmm. So being able to step back in our life, you know, if you're in a really difficult situation in your life, you know how it, it just sort of seems to your world seems to shrink, doesn't it, into that? And learning how to step back and see the bigger picture, see it as one, one part. No, an object in a context, not everything, not who you are, you know, and that's so much the activity of these extremes, isn't it? That are, I am this, my life is like that. So, um, yeah, we can, we can really we can really bring a lot of um, attention to that. And I'm really having trouble reading this. That's. <laughs> The middle way in terms of like as I'm aging, an aging process, my eyes are beginning to, and I need glasses sometimes, but not all the time. And it's a really interesting process. I can feel the resistance. I don't want to wear 
glasses, oh, you know, and uh, why do I need them, you know? And so it's kind of another example, perhaps, of what's the middle way with that still, kind of not feeling like, no, I'm, oh, the light, yeah, well, if, the, if, if these ones will go up a bit, that would be great, thank you very much. I'm not sure if they're fully up. Yeah, I think it's the bottom ones. Oh, that helps. Yeah, yeah, up a bit. And the other one? Great, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, that helps a bit. Yes, yeah, so another area of, of balance, if you look in practice, and I also, I, I as I was going through this, and I thought, yeah, if we could see the difference between swinging, which I think of more as a reactive kind of, oh, there I go, you know, oh, there I go again, Whereas balance has a sense, okay, I can consciously choose, you know, I can see what I'm doing and I can choose to step back or, yeah, so the, this skillful balancing, being able to uh, play with our attention, you know, sort of can be playful, can be, can be fun. So another example, um, moving between attention and intention. You know, you're paying attention and you're really doing your work and you're right there and everything and then you realize you've you kind of you've got a headache you know what's going on then you realize that your mind has been kind of really full of I've you know got to get this right and I'm like you know I'm going to get a bit of paint on the wrong bit and you know you and you haven't quite realized you've been really kind of tensed up intent intentionally so okay stepping back and you know okay can I bring a different kind of intention to this which you know maybe I can still do the work but you know, it doesn't have to be so frantic or so so pushed. I was, again, another example from being on retreat myself, cleaning tables in the dining room uh, after tea, I think. And then somehow I decided that I didn't want this yogi job. It was like one of those, oh, I wish I had another one sort of situations. And um, so there I was one evening, you know, wiping tables and being a bit grumpy because people had left so many crumbs, <laughs> you know, from tea and all that. And... And um, then I, you know, I had the thought, well, okay, um, this isn't very pleasant. I'm, you know, what can I do about this? And so I, I thought, well, I didn't have much hope for this, but I thought, well, what if I try doing it and thinking this is for everybody? So this is an act of kindness for, for everyone. I'm doing this, it's part of the, you know, helping, supporting people in their retreat. You know, and I can really. So I started to really try and bring that sense into the, into the wiping, and and it worked. It was like by by the end, I re, I really really did feel different. Now I don't. The mind is not always that you know as pliable as and sort of uh, cooperative as that. But I think it's a really good example of again shifting our attention and balancing, having that wider picture of practice. Being able to be creative and responsive, you know, what what's needed here? Rather than beavering away, you know, it's kind of like the, you know, chipping away at the coal face kind of thing, and step back and look at the look at the bigger picture. So, you know, many, many other thoughts and, and examples that you can probably think of. But the last one I'll mention came up today somewhat in the interviews, which I think is really really important, interesting area of energy, of, of, of seeing our so much of our um, sense of what we struggle with and 
where we get stuck is is a lot to do with energy. So you have a maybe one way of looking at it is there's a kind of a continuum of energy from so agitated on sort of one side and a continuum to sort of more lax or uh, relaxed on on the other end of the continuum and how we maybe we find ourselves moving you know more energy less energy and our energy will just kind of go up and down but also maybe temperamentally we tend you know to be more towards ones we tend to be more agitated that's more my end I think you know just more tendency to get excited in different ways or maybe we're the other way we tend to kind of very find it easier to just rest and kind of oh and then we can fall asleep so it's finding out you know where where we are on that continuum at any at any point and seeing asking so on that on that continuum whether we're you know happy or sad or you know whether it's a negative mind state or a positive mind state what's happening with that basic energy level and and how can we maybe shift more yeah into balance into into the being able to not stay in one place but be able to know that we need to you know shift we need to find out how to how to work with that that energy and allow it to again like the pendulum allow it to come to come into balance um So, um, as we practice in in this way, finding um, finding out how we swing and where we cling and how we get caught, and finding out how we can find balance and creativity in our practice, we can also um, bring wisdom. We can also see how when we <clears throat> particularly I wanted to bring out the the um, the way that that we can look and see impermanence and how much that can help us you know when 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 we are caught in uh, you know a storm when we can actually really tune into the impermanence of that, the changing nature of that, to see, then begin to see kind of through it, to see its momentariness, or to know at least that it will pass at some point, that it is already changing. So um, the these practice these balancing practices can enable us to see that but also we can consciously in a way apply apply wisdom bring that reflection in and say in the in the midst of this process to see the um to see the insubstantiality of our experience so we're these three characteristics of all our experience of impermanence, of um, the unsatisfactoriness. So we might be, you know, kind of struggling with a particular issue in our life and thinking, if only I had this, if, you know, that was sorted out and this was sorted out. And just to keep remembering that it, it, it just, it's, it's, it's delusory. 
we're never going to really get it together on that level. <laughs> you know, because one thing, a couple of things, and then something else falls apart. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's like, I think Christina Feldman has that thing, it's like rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. So this application of wisdom, you know, any moment can, can give us a, a, really, a, really, a really different helpful perspective on whatever it is that go, is going on, however far we feel we, we need to get. If we can see in this moment, if we can begin to really see the, the, the fleetingness, the, the impermanence, the, the ephemerality of, of all the moments of, of experience... And then in that we see how trying to get hold of anything, trying to fix anything, trying to sort anything out, that we, we, that, that we can see the futility in that. And that then we also see through, through that reflection on what, what, this is, what is really happening, what is our experience. We can also see that in the insubstantiality and the, the lack of any real solid separate self who can control things like where is that what is that and as we begin to really see that 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 uh, that see through that that those the processes that that um kind of provide us with with that delusion in a way there there can be um think a sense of of peace that does not depend on things being other than they are i think and so this is the you know it's like we have these two we have a process we have a process of practice we're path that we're on and development that we want to cultivate but at the same time here and now we can look and we can see whatever our experience is and we can see it in ways that bring freedom right here and now. However resolved or unresolved anything is, we can see, you know, whether it's a, a pleasant state, an unpleasant state, you know, lofty, whatever, that it's insubstantial, it's, it's not real in the way we think it is. And... When you can really, when you really see that, those moments of really seeing that, of really knowing that, there's a healing, there's a, a resting, there's a possibility of um, a fullness, a connection with life that, um, yeah, is is available. Now, so I, I think that 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 um, that possibility through our practice, through this cultivation, through the investigation, and through the application of wisdom, you know, through through seeing deeply impermanence, through through really investigating and 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 looking into and discovering the insubstantiality of our experience, that. Um, there is the possibility of a happiness that's not dependent on anything. So I'd like to finish with 
um, something that Ajahn Suchito wrote. It's the abbot of... Um, oh, my mind's gone like Chitta Viveka, Chithurst Monastery. Dharma practice often entails confronting the unpalatable until one's reactions have cooled. Then, by holding the attention steady, it becomes clear that things are actually only the way things appear. An appearance compounded by reactions and assumptions reinforced by the resistance to change and letting go. But observation alone is not enough when the mind's eye is clouded. Heart-centred action is needed, so practice becomes a moving thing, a pilgrimage. Keep going, says the Buddha. Hold steady. Relax the will to be and you will arrive at a place of peace, an island which you cannot go beyond, a place of non-possession and non-attachment. I call it Nibbana. So let's sit quietly together for a moment. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.